As small business owners, we often are talking about our vision for our business, our big dreams and our goals, what we imagine this business could be. A huge part of making any vision a reality is having a dream team. But just calling it a dream team doesn't automatically make it a dream team. You have to intentionally create and nurture a culture where everyone is winning as we are all working together to make that vision a reality. So in this series, I'm bringing on some incredible guest experts to talk about several different aspects of creating a amazing culture that truly makes your team the dream team and how you can play to everyone's strengths, play to everyone's personalities, make sure the right people are in the right places and level up your leadership to make your business the type of business that people actually want to be a part of. Let's get into it. Are you ready to grow from stressed out solopreneur to confident CEO? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Rachel Cook, and I've spent more than 15 years helping women entrepreneurs sustainably scale their businesses. If you're serious about building a sustainable business, it's time to put the strategy, systems, and support in place to make it happen. Join me every week for candid conversations about stepping into your role as CEO, the hard lessons learned along the way, and practical, profitable strategies to grow a sustainable business without the hustle and burnout. Hey there, CEOs. I am so excited about this brand new series we are kicking off today here on the podcast, all about creating an incredible culture in your company. And this is something I have been really thinking about ever since we had a whole weekend of conversations around this way back in the June CEO retreat, around the June CEO retreat. Prior to hosting the CEO retreat, One of the things we've started doing for our members inside of the CEO Collective is opening up six seats for a mastermind day. And this is when those individuals can upgrade, grab a ticket for the mastermind day. They have a full one-hour hot seat where not only are they getting my brain on their business. They're getting my director of operations, Amber's brain on their business. We often have one or two of our mentors who also have different areas of expertise in small business showing up to offer support, plus everyone who has just signed up for this mastermind day. So it's about anywhere from eight to 10 of us putting 100% of our attention on the biggest challenge, the biggest thing that is holding that particular business owner back from achieving their big picture goals. And in this particular weekend, this particular mastermind day, one of our members inside of the CEO collective, Dr. Tiffany Slater was in attendance and opened up this entire conversation that has added a whole new level of depth and nuance to how we are talking about truly building and leading incredible teams. So Dr. Tiffany Slater is a human resources professional and executive with over 20 years of experience in union and non-union settings. Dr. Slater is known for her progressive generalist experience. She loves helping busy business owners by taking the lead on their human resources needs. Tiffany has been touted as the perfect solution for professionalizing and streamlining all things HR. 
And if you're a small business owner who has started to get to the point in your business where you have moved beyond, you have grown beyond, just maybe you and an outsourced contractor or assistant to really starting to build a real team, you're actually starting to bring employees into the mix, then you have to start thinking at an entirely new level about what that team is going to look like and how this is going to change the game for your business. So in this conversation, we really continue the conversation we were starting that weekend, which was all about, you know, what is one of the biggest challenges we were seeing with small businesses and organizations, especially today, especially at this particular moment in time. The last few years really has accelerated the direction that work was going. And we have all seen huge changes in the way that a lot of people are working in the world. The pandemic had so many people working from home, which was a revolution for so many small businesses and companies that now had to really determine whether or not, you know, they had the processes, the structure, the systems in place that allowed people to thrive in a more self-directed and autonomous way, because that's the only way working from home, working virtually is truly going to work, right? And we have seen this kind of dichotomy between old school management, which is very top down, very much controlling, micromanaging, wanting to know all the time what you are doing, really kind of in the weeds of what every single person is doing on the team and contrasting that with a whole new way of working, which is very much about everyone stepping into self-leadership, everyone on the team stepping into self-leadership, everyone in the team being able to work autonomously, everyone in the team being able to truly just show up and do their best work in the way that makes the most sense for them and be responsible for the results that they are creating for your company. And this is creating a lot of shifts. I mean, this is making huge waves in the world of work, in the world of management. People are panicked that they don't know how to manage in this new way. Workers are getting frustrated because after having a taste of that freedom, there's all these bigger companies, again, with this old paradigm who are trying to bring them back to the office, even when the research shows that the workers were more productive, they were making more things happen, they were happier when they were able to work on their own terms. And this still impacts small business owners. This dramatically impacts small business owners. Because when we are small business owners, you know, each and every person we're bringing onto our team, we don't have the luxury of a bigger business where we can wait like six months to a year for somebody to get up to speed. We need people who can get into our business and make things happen quickly. We need small business team members to work very nimbly. We need people who can make decisions. We need people who understand so much of the nuances of what's going on in our business so that they can create the results we hired them to create, right? And a lot of this comes down to, yes, your vision, them understanding where we're going. Yes, your values, them understanding kind of how you're going to get there. But the conversation that kept coming up again and again is that they really need to understand and feel a part of 
the culture of your small business. And often in small businesses, culture is an afterthought. This is, again, another conversation that sometimes it feels like this is too corporate maybe of a conversation, but truly this is one of the most important conversations as you are growing a team. I would say especially as you're growing a team and you start hitting that point of where you have four or five or more people on your team, I have felt that way especially, especially as I've handed off huge parts of my business to people on my team. So my operations, my team runs that, my client delivery, my team runs almost all of that. I have really been able to remove myself from those couple of areas, marketing and the sales processes. Like I've really pulled myself out. So I'm doing only like the 10% that is the most essential for me to do. And everything else, the team is the one managing that and running that day to day, week to week. And the way that it works, the way that it has worked has been because we have a strong culture and designing that culture has been a little bit of a combination of organic. This has just been organically how my business has evolved, especially because of some of the decisions I've made and who I bring onto the team and my own personal deep inner work around leveling up my leadership. But it's also happened very intentionally. It's happened very intentionally because I knew how I wanted work to feel for me and how I want to care for the people who are caring for my clients. And that's how I think of it all the time. I just have this conversation with Amber Kinney, who's my director of operations, and we have worked together for so long, since 2011. And she was saying something to me, and I was like, you take care of me, and I'm always going to take care of you, right? So it's always this mutually beneficial thing. And for me, that's been a big through line in the culture we've been trying to build for our team is we are here to make sure this is always a win-win to make this fun, to have a great time working together and get great results from our clients, but also truly feel like each and every person on this team is a valued, respected member. So this culture conversation is one that it's just fascinating to me. It's full of nuance it requires a lot of being reflective and really getting honest about the type of business you really want to have when your business is no longer just about you. And that's where I'm going to leave this intro here as Tiffany and I dive in to talk about all things culture, because she's the one that kicked off this whole conversation. And within a few weeks of that retreat, I started recording this series of interviews to talk about how we can just start building more intentional, incredible cultures for our small businesses. So with that, let's get into it. Hey, Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Good morning. I am so excited that you're joining me as I shared in the intro or will share when I record the intro. You came to the most recent CEO retreat that we hosted. And prior to having the CEO retreat, we host a mastermind day for clients who want a little extra support. And this kicked off what essentially for me was like three straight days of this topic coming up, creating a culture that attracts amazing talent, that retains amazing talent, mm. that your team loves to be a part of in your business. 
And yeah. it was like, you brought it up one day. The next day, Erica was talking about it. The next day, LaTondra was talking about it. Like, this is such a huge piece of what so many of the amazing women inside of the CEO collective are doing, but each in their own different ways. So yeah. as we kind of get into this idea of talking about building and designing a culture in your business, first, I want you to share a little bit about your background as a fractional human resources executive. What does that mean? for small business owners? Well, it means amazingness for small business owners. <laughs> it means peace and confidence. But in the actual sense, what we do is we develop employee handbooks, we manage benefits, performance management processes, record keeping for employees, we field employee questions, we provide guidance to the leaders of the organization as it relates to employee relations issues, job descriptions. So essentially all of the things that we are used to a human resources department doing in a large organization, we do that for our clients and we work virtually across the United States. I think this is so interesting because as someone who came out of corporate, you know, mm-hmm. HR is very involved in any part of being an employee for someone else. But as a small business owner, you know, we start off as a one woman show, we start adding on team. And there does come a point where you have to get serious and kind of be legit about how you're managing all the human resources side of your business instead of winging it. Right. Like what is that tipping point that you see for small businesses? Yeah. Well, a couple people come to us because they're like, you know, we just want to make sure that our employees have the support that they need. And we want to make sure that they have someone that they can talk to if they're not comfortable talking to us. So the tipping point can be a variety of instances. Most of the time, it's those organizations that are growing. They're maybe at two or three employees and they're like, you know what? We're about to grow. We're going to get bigger. And we want to make sure that we do this thing the right way. And so they reach out to us so that we can provide them and their team members with the support that they deserve. I think that is such a huge tipping point for a lot of small businesses when they start to come to us as well, because this is the stage where you realize, okay, we're doing this thing. We're doing this thing and we need to make sure we got our house in order, that we have you know, all of the right paperwork filled out, that we're doing this all above board, that everything is super clear, that we're protecting ourselves as small businesses. I mean, that's a huge role that HR has is protecting the small business and making sure they're above board with all of you know their employee practices mm-hmm. when it comes to culture yes i can't even remember how we started this conversation <laughs> but it was like you know people come to, when they start to reach out to someone for hr support i think well here's where the i think the conversation started we tend to think of the tactical things yes like we need to get our handbook handled we need to figure out our benefits. We need to make sure that we have all these you know, boxes checked. But when they start running into problems, this is where the conversation started, was when they start running into problems, it's not that they didn't check off a box. Exactly. It's that they didn't have a clear culture in place. And if you don't have that, a lot of other problems kind of spiral out. So as someone who who really helps people, not just with checking the boxes, y'all. Tiffany's here to help you 
build an incredible culture. Can you share a little bit about what does it mean to have a culture in your business? Yeah. Well, every organization has a culture, whether we plan for it or not, yeah. uh, or maybe or whether or not it is the type of culture that we want or not. So the culture is really how it feels to be a part of the team, the common practices that go unsaid, perhaps nobody Mm -hmm. schedules meetings after 12 o'clock in the afternoon because our leaders want us to make sure that we have a great weekend. And that's the way that they want us to kick it off is having a Friday afternoon to ourselves. That is a part of the culture. It is about walking into the space or coming into Zoom meetings and there's music playing and everybody's dancing because that's the way that we do things. So the culture is about the way that we behave when we are in community Mm -hmm. with each other, is the way that we treat each other, and it is the way that we show up for each other or not. So it is all of those things. It's the personality of the organization. It is the way that we go about doing business. That's the Mm. culture. Okay. I love that you said this is the personality of the business. And I think as a business owner, mm-hmm. we tend to have this kind of challenge separating ourselves from the business. The business owner tends to be very enmeshed in their identity with the business. But as you start to grow a team, you have to one, like separate that. That's a healthy thing to do, everyone. You, your identity is not just your business. But also if if it's completely just your identity, then no one else can be a part of that. Absolutely. And one of the things that that we start with is you've got to have values. They're so important. And I know that you've talked about that as well. Values are really important. Now as a solopreneur, my values were my values and I made them the values of the organization, but they are values that can easily be adopted by other people. And as you grow your team, those individuals help you define the values. So they're in place already, but what do they actually mean? So as the people start joining your organization, they help you shape the definition of what collaboration looks like in this organization or what relationships look like in this organization. So while they were values of yours personally, the team is really helping you build out what it means for your organization. So it has to start with the values. I a thousand percent agree with this. And anyone who's listened to the conversations I've had with Erica Corday, either on the podcast, or we just have been sharing a bunch of um, short form video content about this. I feel like so much of our business success hinges on the values. And it's one of those things I remember, I mean, way back in the day, they used to do values trainings, like identify your top values, but they give you like a word bank. You know how like when you're a little kid and you're doing like third grade tests and here's your word bank, select the words. Instead, it's like a page of descriptive words Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to circle five and those are your values. I think that's a very like, let's just check the box and not actually do the work to make sure we've identified those values. But when we understand those, what I, how I always think of it is your vision as the CEO of your business, you're responsible for setting the vision, the direction you're going, where you're headed. 
Mm-hmm. So that's like plugging the, the address into the GPS, right? Yeah. Your values are like the rules of the road. Mm-hmm. Here's the speed limit. <laughs> Here's follow the stop sign, follow the traffic lights. Yeah. Here's the detour. Like the values are telling you how you're getting there. The rules of the road. Yeah. And with those two things combined, it tells you so much about just already the culture of a business, I think. But I, I think what you're sharing here is it goes deeper than just writing those things out. Like we have to think about how people are operationalizing that. And that is what the culture is. It's like how you actually put those values into practice, into all your policies. It's mm-hmm. into, like you said, how people feel how people show up every day. Yes, absolutely. And and I love your analogy, the, the rules of the road. And the culture is all about, well, what's happening inside of the car? What music is playing? What conversation there we go. is happening, right? So it all, you are absolutely right. I love this analogy. So yeah, the values really, and they change. The values can absolutely change and that's okay. But from an HR perspective, what we do in terms of connecting the tasks and the work of HR and the way that we help to influence or impact the culture is we take the policies and we make sure that the policies we write are in line with the values, that they really talk to people in a way that we want them to be spoken to. Do we want our team members to be called team members or employees or minions or superstars? Like, how do we refer to them in the book? How do we actually refer to them when we're having conversations? So actually spelling out what it looks like in our culture as it relates to the HR work that we're doing and the practices that we're implementing. That's how we influence the culture specifically from an HR perspective. And I keep going to that because there's so many other departments or areas in the organization that have an influence or impact on the culture as well. But I believe, and yes, I'm biased, I believe that HR has the most significant impact on culture than any other department. Yeah, I would agree with that because people need to have that connective tissue and the HR department is a department that connects everybody across all of the different functions of the business. So it makes sense that, you know, they're really the ones that are kind of like the holders of the culture, right? Like they're the ones in the front seat help like the the CEO might be driving, but HR's riding shotgun, making sure that like, okay, everybody's happy. You got what you need. I'm literally thinking of now that we have this whole analogy going, I was like, well, what is, if your culture is what's happening in the car, what kind of car are we driving? Yes. What What's happening here? Cause if it's me and you've come to meet me, so like we're getting in a minivan, there's yes. lots of snacks. Yes. <laughs> yes. There might be some music, but it's not too loud. Right. right. Whereas some other businesses, they might have a full on party bus. And then some other businesses might have like very, like everybody's in their suits doing work as they go. And I think this is now it's just brings it all together. I'm so excited. Yes. We landed on this analogy, Tiffany. Yes. And I think for people who are trying to think of their culture, what I've noticed is that when we're not intentionally thinking about this, it tends to happen by accident. And if it's happening by accident, that's where we run into a lot of problems. So what kind of challenges do you see when the culture was not intentionally created? It's just kind of accidentally, oh no, what did we do here? 
Yeah, absolutely. And so that happens more often because people talk about culture, but they don't really know what impacting it looks like, right? And once it's in place, it's really hard to turn around. So starting early is important. But some of the things that I've seen will be simple things like maybe we have unwritten rules Mm -hmm. that everybody doesn't know about. Yeah. <laughs> and so here we are as the business owner and we're frustrated with the actions of others, but we've not told them the rules because they're unwritten. Yeah. So we need an employee handbook that we actually follow. And if we don't follow it, then we need to update it so that it is in alignment with what we actually do and what we actually yeah. expect. So that's one thing. We've got to share things with people. We've got to be clear and we've got to stop expecting people to be mind readers. That's just yeah. not going to happen. So the other thing that happens intention unintentionally is we get to a space where maybe things are a little too loose. So we want a culture where people enjoy work and they know that we are approachable as the business owner, but things get a little too loose. And when we want people to flip the switch and be professional, they have a hard time doing that because we have been very friendly and conversational with them and not also showing them how to do that in a professional way. So that's another thing that I've seen happen very often. Mm, This is so good because I think one of the things that happens very easily, especially in small businesses, like we tend to hear a lot of people say like, my team's like my family, we love each other. And I actually get a little bit of like, okay, red flag here because your family is your family. Your team are the people you work with. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where that enmeshment can be a little dangerous because when things are too loose, but now you've got this relationship of like, we're buddy, buddy, we're friends. Like, how do you come to that person and have, Hey, we need to have a real conversation. This isn't working. How do you get that employee back on the right track? If they were stumbling, right. It, it really blurs a lot of lines when we don't have kind of boundaries around that. I think. Absolutely. I've really seen some horror stories that I can't even share where people trusted individuals so much that they have violated them in ways that are unspeakable and they didn't even realize it was a violation. And so that's the thing that we have to be careful of. We give people the wrong message sometimes by not being very clear and setting boundaries. It's okay. I think it's okay to refer to your team as your family, but what does that mean? Let's define what that means and let's define the boundaries. And so I think that it is very different. I've seen some organizations that are doing very well and have retained people for a long time and they refer to themselves as family. But That means for them that we're going to call you out when you're not hitting the mark. We're going to be kind about it and we're going to offer you support, but you're going to know if you're missing the mark. We're also going to make sure that you are representing us well because we are family. And the way you you stand out, that means that you are representing us as well. So that's what family means to them. And the way that you described it 
is definitely one that goes on the opposite end of the spectrum. Well, just like your family, you can have a great, like fully functional, healthy family dynamic, or you can have a completely dysfunctional, unhealthy family dynamic. And because relationships are relationships, you can have either end of the spectrum in a company as well. Like you can have a really healthy functioning dynamic, or you can have a very unhealthy dysfunctioning dynamic. And as someone who works with a lot of leaders, I tend to see, we see this when people are afraid to go to their boss. They're afraid to go to the CEO and talk about problems. Um, They're afraid of upsetting them. So everybody's like walking around on eggshells. Yes. Those types of things tend to make it really, really stressful. And that's a a culture of dysfunction. That's a culture of you know, we can't be clear and honest and direct here because we can't step on toes. I think most of the people who are listening to this, if you're attracted to my work and now hearing Tiffany, you'll love her work as well. I think they want to be on the other side of that, like having a healthy dynamic within their company, having strong boundaries, having clear communication. You can absolutely have fun with your team and build in like you said, your own little things that just make it a part of your culture. Like what kind of music are you playing? What's happening in the environment? Like how do you start your meetings? What are the kind of signature moves that you all have? It's kind of like, if you think about, you know, if you're hosting a party, what are the things that you're known for? Yes. Um, I think being intentional about that It's actually making me think of the book, The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker. Mm -hmm. Amazing book. I love this book. If y'all haven't read it, she writes all about how to to design intentional experiences, gatherings, events, conferences, weddings. It doesn't matter what type of thing it is where you're bringing people together. And I think it's this little bit of intentionality around how are you doing that? What are the, yes, the practical, tactical things you're doing here, but also what are the things that make people feel included or make them feel like they belong? Or how do you want people to feel in general? Yes. And so there are the tactical things, right? But yeah. but the two things that pull it all together is effective leadership mm-hmm. and diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Those are the two things that kind of weave them all together. Because if you have poor leadership, it doesn't matter what you do. It just yep. doesn't matter. But the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, that's so important because it's all about making the people that are on your team feel as though they belong there. Like yeah. you are intentional about recognizing them, about showing your appreciation about them or for them, and making sure that their voice is heard. And you know what? Not just heard. But welcomed, you know, it's easy to hear somebody, but to make them feel as though you want to know what they think and you are really intentional about taking action on what your team members are sharing with you, that's important. It's so important. And it goes back to those bosses where people don't want to talk to them because they don't feel Mm -hmm. safe. They don't feel like the boss wants to hear what they have to say or that they're going to do anything with the information that they're sharing with them. Yeah. The psychological safety is a huge part of, I think, building a strong culture where people truly feel respected. And I think this is something we're just seeing. I think we're in the middle of this shift right now in the world of work and the relationship to leadership because leadership 
when I was in business school, it was all very hierarchical, top down, you know, I'm the boss. I mean, and this is where we end up with with just tyrannical bosses and management styles where literally they can be straight up abusive and call that management. Mm-hmm. That is shifting. Like people are done. Yes. <laughs> and this is, I think, a huge part of attracting and retaining talent. Like people want to feel respected. It's not even liked or loved. It's just, do you respect me as a fellow human being? Mm-hmm. Not because you are compliant. Compliance and respect are two different things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just you respect me enough as a human being to see me, hear me, listen, uh, take my feedback, engage with me when I'm going through something. And I think cultures who embrace that and they're okay with the short-term discomfort of maybe having a hard conversation or, or going through something with somebody, but they're doing it in a very psychologically safe way of you're welcome to bring things to us. We care about you as the whole human. I think this is the shift in business culture Yes, that is happening right now. And people who are not intentionally taking the time to design their culture and to think about how they're showing up in their role in this, they're the ones who are struggling, honestly, to find team and keep team. Absolutely. That is so true. And it's so important that you are clear about the culture that you want to create and that you put the right things in place to make it a reality. And then you have to commit to it every single day. It's not something that you can say one time. It's not, you know, a handbook is not something that you you write and sit it on the shelf and it collects dust. No, it is a living document. Just Mm -hmm. like your culture is a living, breathing thing, and it could change at the drop of a dime, but changing it when you have a culture that becomes toxic or ineffective as it, as it relates to getting your organization where you want it to be, it is so difficult to change it. It's almost like you have to wipe the slate clean of everybody that's there and hire new people. So getting it right the first time is really important. One of the things that are the reason that I really love what I do, Rachel, I left working for a really toxic place. It was really toxic. And I said, you know what? I am going to create a joyful work experience for me, myself, and I. And I'm going to do that through HR. And then I started thinking, I want to make sure that I do that for other people because I don't want anybody to feel the way that I did. I don't want anybody to have a work experience like I experienced. So our mission is to help small businesses and nonprofit organizations to create joyful work experiences for their team and for the person who is running the organization. Yeah. I love this because I think this is one of those pieces that it takes a lot of intentionality to make this happen. Yes. And to me, this is leader. This is where you really have to step into your leadership mm-hmm. and be okay with the discomfort of looking at the areas that might not be doing so well in your business. Yes. Right. Like look at communication, mm-hmm. look at conflict. Look at 
you know, how do you want people to feel? Well, are they feeling that when you're in meetings? Are they feeling that when you're at events? Are they feeling that when you're just communicating day to day? Like you really have to kind of audit your company and ask yourself, is this a culture I meant to create? Am I happy here? Is my team happy here? Where are the areas we need to really take time and, you know, tease apart and figure out how do we rebuild this back? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a process. Like this stuff is not just write a document and you're done. This is an ongoing relational process. Relational behavior process, like all the things. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It really is important that you take a look at all of those areas and then decide, am I willing to put in the time and the work that it's going to take to make this change because it will have it it is necessary and yeah. with the smaller teams it won't take as long as those larger organizations but it yeah. really regardless of the size it's going to take work and commitment absolutely well tiffany i so appreciate you jumping on with me today because this conversation is one i think more small business owners need to have it doesn't matter if your team is you know, just a handful of people or a couple dozen people or a couple hundred people or whatever. This is a conversation that we are, like I said, we're in the tipping point right now. We are seeing such a massive shift in the world of work. A lot of us are going to be hiring more people as we continue to grow. And if we want to stand out, not just as a profitable company, but a great place to work, a company that people want to be involved in, they want to be there. You have to take the time to do this. I love it. Agreed. (laughs) Well, Tiffany, how can people learn more about how you work and how they can potentially work with a fractional HR department? People can reach out to us at hrtailormade.com. Can also schedule a virtual coffee with me. I'd love to just learn more about you and your business. And we also have an HR strategy session, which is 30 minutes of you chatting with me and letting us know uh, what challenges you are facing. And we'll provide you with some some appropriate next steps. And so hrtailormade.com. Awesome. I will link that up in the show notes. Thank you so much. It was so great to chat with you today. Thank you.